I grew up really skinny, so I never really had body image issues. I remember when I was younger, right, because I grew up so skinny, I'd be called Twig Face. All my friends would be the toilet cubicle at break time, like, bleh, 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 sticking their fingers down their throat, being upset because take that split up. And I'd be there like, oh, I love Cher, and get called Twig Face. So I never really cared for body image issues, so much so that I grew up thinking that I was skinny even when I wasn't. So I remember going to like Zara, you know, looking for a size eight pair of jeans, putting them on. They don't fit around my left big toe. And I'd be like, well, this is very strange. Obviously, Zara have done something with their sizes because this has nothing to do with me. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> and now that worked with my 20s. Listen, I loved it. I flaunted it, had it, loved it, lived it. Great. Fucking mate, amazing. Only now I'm 40 and it's got a lot fucking worse. Let's talk about it. Do, do, do. Famous with a baby. So I am finding in the mornings, this is just going to be an episode about me ranting about how unfit I feel. I find it difficult in the morning uh, to get out of bed and move around. I feel like it takes me a while to warm up. That's how I feel. I feel like it takes me, you know, like an oven, you have to put it on before it gets the right temperature. That's how I feel in the morning. I feel like it takes me a while to get going in the morning. Like I'm not, I don't spring out of bed. You know, these people that jump out of bed, hey, who are you? I don't spring out of bed. I slowly meander out of bed. In fact, I'd quite happily stay in and keep sleeping. I open my eyes and I want to nap. It's weird. I think it's a bad time in life when you wake up first thing in the morning, you think, oh, I really could do with a nap. Like that's not a good position to be in. And I'm finding myself navigating aches and pains and creaks and crannies that doesn't make any sense that actually don't feel too familiar for me and actually I'm getting way too acquainted with and I don't like it so when I was younger I used to go to the gym quite regularly and I'd work out and I liked it and it was cool but I never really cared for it I've never been into sports like when I was younger you had those people that loved sport I hate competitiveness I've never been into competition I've never been good at it I did a fun run when I was like 11 years old and like it was a really long run and it took me three and a half hours to do um like five kilometers and I got a best effort award that was my relationship with exercise. But because my mother was incredible and I've got really good genes, I've always been a good size and a good shape. Like I've got a great shape. I love my shape. Nice little waist, nice little booty, whatever. When I was younger and I remember my Polish grandma's being like, oh, look at her booba, look at her big bottom, right? Because I had a big bum. Like I always had a big bum, never really cared for it. Had cellulite, didn't really care for it, just felt beautiful anyway, didn't really care. Didn't really care. Didn't have body image issues, found it weird when people that did. And then... In my 20s, I had a slamming figure, like slamming, didn't even have to fucking try, I would eat kebabs for breakfast, didn't even have to fucking try, and I used to hate it when men would comment on my body when I was younger, like I'd order a kebab, and they'd be like, oh, moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips, like fuck off, what's my hips got to do with you, like why is my weight any of your business, the only time my weight should ever be any of your concern is if I was literally sat on your motherfucking face, then maybe you could talk to me about it. But until then, why the fuck are you chatting about what I'm eating? What I'm eating has nothing to do with you. And I used to do this joke that actually it was really bad that if you, you know, if a guy would go down to me, because apparently you taste like what you eat. So if a guy would go down to me, he'd be like, oh, what's Louise taste of? Oh, kebabs. <laughs> Which is fine, because who doesn't like kebabs on a Saturday night? Um, and then I used to do this joke where I was like, well, now I'm eating like, um, I'm drinking loads of like, um, you know, pineapple juice and orange juice and eating lots of passion fruit and stuff. So next time somebody goes down on me, they're like, oh, what's Louise taste of? Um, Umbongo. <laughs> That's a very dated joke for anyone that remembers Umbongo. It's a very dated joke. Um, and now I'm finding myself haughty and I probably taste of bread, which isn't great. I mean, unless you're really into bread. Um, but I don't really move and I don't like it and it's getting worse. I'm finding it harder. And I, I tell you what I find harder 
the motivation because I never really cared for exercise. And once you get into it, I know something happens, some weird thing happens where you bump your head and all of a sudden you're into it. And then it turns into a drug and you're driven to do it. And what I find phenomenal about exercise is that it's like magic because somehow when you start exercising, I don't know how it happens, but you end up with more hours in the day. And I don't know how it works. Because when you don't exercise, you're very aware of the few hours that you have and you're like, I don't want to waste them exercising. I would rather sit and watch a movie and eat popcorn. That feels nicer than exercising. And I can hear all you gym bunnies going, well, yes, but uh, exercise will feel nicer than arthritis and being bed bound by the time you're 45. I know. I know. I think it's criminal that if you go to the gym in London, it costs you like £220, mate, to go to the fucking gym. And they're not even nice gyms. It's not like they're incredible gyms where everything's super clean, super new, super fancy. It's the most basic. There's that gym group. Oh, who is he? He was a guy on Dragon's Den. And I remember joining it when I was in London. And they're the most horrific gym group. They are so awful. Every time I'd go in there, it would stink. You know when you'd walk into a changing room and you're like, I'm going to catch Verrucas, like just from being in here, even fully clothed and with trainers and socks on, I'm going to catch Verrucas, whatever I touch. That's how it felt walking into that gym. They were horrible and they called themselves like house bars and they're not house, they're just disgusting. They're so gross. You know, when you walk into a sauna and you're like, oh mate, I feel I feel like I've caught COVID. Like this is this is weird. This is very weird. I don't like it. I want a nice gorgeous gym so what I was doing in lockdown is I had a friend who helped train me and he was so good I like pay him 20 pound a session and he trained me for an hour and I really got into it we were doing different things and one of the things that I really enjoyed in terms of exercising yes we did running so we ran around the block and it was nice to see the progress of how on the first day you could run for like a minute before you felt like you were going to collapse but then by the week three you were like oh I can do five and I'm all right so it is nice how the body heals itself and the body changes the body will do what it what it wants to support you to do. That's what I find phenomenal. I've got a friend at the moment. Oh my gosh, I've got a friend at the moment. I mean, she's been my friend forever, not just the moment. She's in a wheelchair, but she's got in a wheelchair because she got very, very poorly and got sepsis and she lost her sight. She lost her ability to walk. She lost loads and loads of things. And Fizzies over the years have been training her to rewalk, to remake brain connections, to recreate brain connections. This is like that um, that guy, Huberman. This is my version of the Huberman podcast, guys, but on a very basic bitch level. And so she's been doing exercise to remake those connections to help her walk again. And after six years, she's been able to take a couple of steps, like on her own, freehand, without holding on to anything. And you go, fuck me, that's phenomenal. But that's how long it's taken of dedication and training and physio to be able to teach your body. So your body wants you to heal. Your body wants you to feel movement and wants you to feel great. So tell me, evolutionary, what is it about my body that wants me to be a bum and sit on a sofa eating fucking popcorn, salt and pepper? Salt and pepper? Not salt and pepper, salt and sweet. That'd be gross, salt and popcorn. No, thank you. I've put, I bet that fancy company does that, doesn't it? Anyway, that's not the point. I don't move well. And then when I try and do yoga exercise, and then you go, fine, just sign up to a yoga class. Do a yoga class in the morning. Do a 15-minute stretch. Do the most basic, basic thing. Do 15 minutes of stretching in the morning. And I turn on the YouTube video, and I, all I have to do is 15 minutes of stretching. And I can't fucking touch my feet with my hands ever. Like, can't do that anyway. I give up. I go, what's the fucking point? This stretch is taking too long. I'm out. The stretch is taking too long, I'm out, and I give up. And then I complain that my jeans aren't fitting me properly, that I feel that I'm putting on my weight, and my weight, my weight is amazing, because I've got skinny arms, look at this, you can't tell, you're like, oh my God, you're so skinny. It all goes on my stomach and my bum and my thighs. Like, my thighs are popping up my jeans now. Oh. 
I just want, I want, I don't want to have to buy new clothes. I want the clothes I've got to fit. Like, I want to feel like sexy in my clothes. I don't want to have to undo my trousers every time I have a snack. These are the issues that I'm facing. And what I find difficult as well, and I want to talk a bit about this, is because I'm 40 and single and not married and don't have any children, I've got technically all the time in the fucking world. I don't have a day job, mate. This is my day job. There is no reason why I shouldn't be exercising three hours a day, every day. You get single mums that exercise and do and are so driven, and I don't do any of that shit. I, I literally don't do any of that shit. Sometimes I think, this is where I think it's unfair if you're a single woman who's 40 and childless. Because actually, we have more time on our hands than any other group of people, and we have nothing to do with it. Because everybody else, they've got kids, they look after shit, they do things, don't they? They get busy, they've got to pick up the kids from school, and they've got to make the dinner, then they've got to have a job, and then they've got to work really hard, then they've got to exercise, then they go to bed, and they repeat. Whereas I get up in the morning, wake up, open my eyes, and feel like I'm ready for a nap again. I have a very lovely life, which I'm not maximising and making the most of. Do you know, in a way, I'm like those billionaires that have so much time and freedom that what they're trying to do is find ways to live longer. So they're creating all these ways that they can live to 140 because they're so fucking bored. That's all it is, is boredom. Maybe boredom is the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous things that can affect us as a human being. Maybe that's why people get married and have kids, so they won't be bored. So they're always like, even though they might not like it, they'll always have a shit going down. Maybe that's the reason why. And how are you supposed to meet anybody? That's the other thing. You're supposed to meet somebody by being the best version of yourself because, because you know, ideally human beings are attracted to another human being, especially if you're attracted to the opposite sex. You're attracted to what you think is going to make the best baby. So on a subliminal level, you're like, oh, are you going to co-create a really good egg or baby with me? <coughs> like, is that what you're going to do or not? Bernie agrees. And so I find myself, right, so you look, so when you meet a guy you like, you're like, oh, there's something in my DNA that wants your DNA. Also, can we talk about this? Did you know that this idea, you know that film, Look Who's Talking To? Um, oh, it's actually, okay, hang on. Actually, we just had the perfect interruption. So this is my little sister, Yuasha, behind me, who's coming in. Now, Yuasha uh, is absolutely beautiful. She's stunning, as you can see, gorgeous, dead behind the eyes, but very pretty. And <laughs> I love that joke I do about you. Um, now, bearing in mind, this is a microphone bit here. So Yuasha is somebody that loves exercise. She will swear by exercise. And there was a moment in lockdown. Guys, can we all focus on the podcast? We don't need to see a whippet and a Burley's Mountain Dog in the back of the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome to the family. Um, coming into the camera, there you go. Um, so you asked for somebody that in lockdown um, got obsessed with exercise and started training so much that she became a bodybuilder and you trained in a professional... You started before lockdown, you trained to be a professional bodybuilder. Now, the amount of training that and discipline that this girl undertook, she would get incredibly upset with me. She would measure out all her food to the millimetre, to the microgram. She would measure it out. Like, it was ridiculous, the level of intense discipline. You had to, training to do this, right? Because everything was for function. So all food was functional. The food was to help you, like the protein to build, the carbohydrates for energy, all this shit. So if I would take a chip off her plate, she would fucking cry. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. She, she doesn't remember eating chips. That's very funny. Um, but she would cry and then have a go at me and then I would have to go back to square one. Like it was, she would cry. She'd shout at me. Yeah, she'd, oh my God, like it was unreal. Anyway, you now 
uh, we talk about how sometimes actually for many people, like if you're some people that exercise when they were younger, so they exercise when they were younger and you just have it throughout your life, then you like exercising. I am somebody that's never liked exercising. I hate exercising. I think I mentioned this before, um, that when I was younger, uh, I did a race, a school race, and it was like a five-kilometer race, and I came last. It took me like four and a half hours, and I got a best effort award. And maybe that positive reinforcement is what taught me to slow down. Because <laughs> if you slow down, you'll win an award anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, the point is, uh, I've never liked it because I've never really been into it. And now as I'm older, I find it harder and harder to get into it. Like, I just don't want to, even though I know it's good for me. Whereas you actually, you love exercising now. And now when you don't exercise, you have a mini breakdown, don't you? Oh, okay. Do you want to share what it is about exercise or how you got into it? Were you always, did you, when you were younger, were you mad about it? About exercise? No. I was always sporty, you know. I always liked doing stuff, being busy and being active. Yeah? Yeah, but I never, I was never really into, e- into exercise. I only got into exercise, actually, when we were in Edinburgh. I started going to yoga. You, because uh, you were at the Fringe Festival, and um, I was there with the for the month with you. And so you'd be up late, right? Um, like gigging and working hard. But then the next day, you'd be asleep for the whole day. You'd just be out of it. And I hated that. Like, I was awake. I had nothing to do. I was like, oh, what should I do? Oh, I'll go to the gym then. Oh, actually, I started going to yoga. I found this nice little yoga studio. So I started going to yoga every day whilst you slept in for 10 hours until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, even though you'd worked for, like, two hours. I was, doing, I was doing a very strange show about, you know, politics and the state of the country and cancer care in this country and euthanasia and cannabis oil. It was a very draining show, yes. I mean, I remember being up with you. I was up as late as you were. Maybe not working, but I was up as late as you. But I just couldn't sit around doing nothing the next day. So then I started going to yoga every day. And that was it. And that's when I started exercising properly, really. And then when we came back to England, um, I started going to the gym. And you then went, went into bodybuilding. And bodybuilding was such an intense level of training that now, we had this conversation the other day on the phone, uh, like to keep up that level of intense training is very difficult. But there's there's something that we talk about, which is um, maintenance, where if you spend a, a huge amount of time on your body and focus, would you say like a year of like intense training? After that, can you then drop down to maintenance? Like now, would you say what you do is maintenance? Or would you say, no. like what would you call what you do now? Because you do not exercise to the extent that you used to. Do you miss that level of exercise? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I miss the intensity and I miss the drive that I had when I was doing it. Um, I definitely don't have the same drive, but I had a very specific goal and a very specific target that I had to meet. So if I didn't meet that, I was going to lose. I was going to lose the competition. I was going to lose against other women. Um, and I didn't like that. So you didn't like the idea of competing against other women or losing? No, it's competition. I hate competition, so I'm like, you win, it's fine, I don't mind. See, but what do you do? So what advice would you give to somebody that hates competition and doesn't mind the other person winning? In fact, often lets them win. How do you you make yourself exercise? It's about yourself. You don't have to be in competition with other people at all. It's about... Um, having a goal and having a target for you. and But it is competition, but still it's competition with yourself. So you're beating yourself and have making like a, a better version of yourself. Oh, see, I would like to be the best version of myself. And here's the thing. Um, thank you so much, Yasha, for joining the com- conversation. That was uh, the diplomat she joined us in. Um, 
there's something about being 40 now and feeling like I'm not the best version of myself. And it's so weird because when I go away, when I have some downtime or I'm on my own, I think about all the things I'd like in my life. And I can feel that I'd like to feel fitter. I can feel that I want my lungs to feel like they've got more air. I can feel like I want my blood to be clearer. Like I want to be able to move more freely and more delicately. I can feel like I want all these things. And yet I don't seem to find the time to do them here. And there is an element of self-sabotage in that, isn't there? And maybe there's an element of keeping yourself smaller to keep yourself safe. Because actually, if you think about dating, like I say, dating, you going out to pitch yourself, to put yourself out there, to be attractive to another member uh, of humanity. And actually, if you kind of like, I don't know, personally, there's been times where I feel like, well, I'll just be a frump and it's fine. And then I don't really have to get involved with anybody. And then it's self-preservation, self-protection. Because actually when you look great and you feel great, you put yourself out there, you are putting yourself out for sale, aren't you? And if I'm a 40-year-old woman that wants to be on the market, I need to put myself up for sale. And when you put your house up for sale, you don't treat like yourself like you're in fucking London and these London houses that just have clothes all over the floor and the rooms look an absolute state and they put it on the market for a really stupid price just because it's London. You do it like it's a house in Birmingham and you dress it really nicely and you make it look really lovely and beautiful and say, look, this is a very reasonable price for what you're getting. Don't you? So how do you put yourself out for sale if you're not willing to even buy yourself? Oh my gosh, guys. And that is the moral of today's story. How are you going to put yourself up for sale if you wouldn't even buy yourself? So actually, we need to invest in ourselves. And exercise does look different when you're 40. And some of the most fun exercise that I found myself doing when I was training, I loved boxing. I really got into boxing. I really enjoyed it. But I also really enjoyed doing like dynamic movements. So things like roly-polies. We would spend a day doing roly-polies. And I swear my core got really good from roly-polies. Asha, do you think that sounds like a... It definitely did. She says no, but it definitely, definitely did. I went to a trampolining class. I loved that. I don't want to go to a salsa class. I love the idea of going to a tra- uh, trampolining class. I love the idea of going to like a like a park where you have to climb ropes and stuff. And there's another thing I was thinking of, right? I watched Mission Impossible the other day. And I was like watching Tom Cruise climb up a helicopter. And I was like, oh my gosh, like if it was my job to save civilization. And all I had to do was to get this remote control out of Henry Cavill's hand. But he's in a helicopter. And the only thing stopping between me and him is climbing up this rope to get the helicopter so that they can... To get the remote control so they can turn off the plutonium so the world doesn't end. Like, I would fail. Civilization would die. I'd be like, sorry, I couldn't climb the rope. I couldn't do the rope climb. I haven't done any, you know, burpees. I haven't done enough burpees in my lifetime. And the whole civilization will die. Like, how embarrassing would that be? Or even worse... Say if something happens and for whatever reason you're on the t- roof of a building and something happens, you end up like a gust of wind, you end up falling off. Like, I would have more faith in me falling off and holding on to somebody than I would having somebody else fall off and me be the person that has to hold on to them. What if you're, what if you're in a situation where you're caught, where somebody is falling and you have to grab them and hold on to them? Like, if it was me, you'd be fucked. I'd be like, I'm really so- I haven't got the arm strength. I'm really sorry. I'd be gutted. So I do think there's an element, there is a case for exercise, because you never know, you might find yourself in a position where you have to just hold on to somebody and not let them go. And you'll need to have the arm strength for that. But it's difficult, isn't it? It is difficult, because it is easy just to go, do you know what, somebody else will come in. Hopefully somebody will come in. I don't know. I feel like there's a part of me that's got a bit over-exercise, or maybe just a bit down on myself, and just I'm kind of letting myself down a bit. And actually, there's something in that, isn't there? Do you love yourself enough to treat your body the way that she or he needs to be treated? Do you love yourself enough to put your body first? 
because uh, the body and the mind follow, doesn't it? I've noticed, for example, if I eat loads of sugar, I'll be depressed for fucking three or four days. When I cut out sugar, I felt so much better, which is why I started drinking those little tonic drinks that I can, because I felt so much better drinking those for a sweet kick rather than having any desserts. I felt so much better. And now I've started eating sugar again. I can tell the difference. And our age does affect us. I don't know what happens or how it happens. But all I know is when I was younger, I could have three smell of ice, dance till three in the morning, and be up at 7 a.m. for work, no problem, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Whereas now, I'll have one Neo cocktail out the fridge, and I'll be dead for two and a half days. It will wipe me out. So what we ingest, and what we eat, and what we put out, and how we exercise, and how we move is important. So... Let's find a way to move. Let's find a way to move because we are lucky to have these healthy, beautiful bodies. And the irony is when you see how difficult it is for other people who don't have movement, who, do, who have restrictions, who have mobility issues, and you think, fuck me. Like, we take it so for granted. She preaches as she's about to go sit on the sofa and have a snack and undo her top button. Oh, man, what a time to be alive. Um, thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Do Do Do, Famous with a Baby. If there are some topics or things that you would like to talk about, things that are finding uh, that you are finding affecting you as a 40-year-old woman, uh, I had a conversation with somebody the other day that was just saying how, how it's difficult to feel irrelevant by society standards is actually we're retraining and reteaching ourselves that, of course, we're relevant. Just what does our life look like? Because there isn't the pre, there isn't the somebody beforehand that you can go, oh, well, that's how what they did. That's what they did because everybody else looks like they settled, did that thing. Like, well, what could our lives look like? And I thought that could be something that could be interesting to discuss. But more on that next time. Uh, thank you for listening. Big love. And I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Lots of love. Bye.